It seems like a dream. Impossible. And that's Ed Gein. This is Jen. This is Becky. And this is Too Close to Home. We're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to way, way back. And we're going to do a big one. To the way, way back. Ed Gein. Hail Gein. Hail Gein. Hail me! <laughs> so let's start off with the sauces. Deviant, the shocking true story of Ed Gein, the original psycho by Harold Schechter. Wikipedia, the psychological evaluation of Ed Gein, the mm. medical report on Bernice Warden, and Ed Gein's confession transcript. I'm so excited. I know. And it was 226 pages in super Midwestern. <laughs> so Midwestern. <laughs> so let's start out with the real Norman Bates. Edward Theodore Gein was born August 27th, 1906 in Lacrosse County, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> he was the second of two boys to George Philip and Augusta Willamine and uh I, we always hear about his mom, right? Domineering lady, yada, yada. But do we know about Ed Gein's dad? We don't. So I learned a little bit about this. Enlightenness. I know. It was, we were talking about before the episode that we know about Ed Gein, but it's been so long that yeah. it's like learning it again. So George was his father's name. His family lived in Coon Valley, Wisconsin, until <laughs> a flood took them out and orphaned him at three years old. Oh, wow. His maternal grandparents, stiff Scottish immigrants, raised him. Not much is known about his life, except that he was a non-entity to the family he eventually had. In his early 20s, he headed to La Crosse, Wisconsin. Cannot say it without saying Wisconsin. <laughs> drifting occupations from insurance sales to tanning, like leather tanning. Foreboding, foreboding. Possibly because he was a terrible alcoholic and he spent all his wages in a saloon. So mom and dad died when he was three? Yeah, and oh. his sibling. So he was literally had nobody when he was three years old. Oh, wow. Augusta actually grew up in a large and industrious family whose father was a German immigrant that held an iron fist with his family. George was 24 when he met her at 19. She was a thick, set, buxom woman with a broad and coarse-featured face. <laughs> already domineering. Woman out of my own heart. <laughs> Until the religious part comes in. Yeah. <clears throat> so she was devoutly, a.k.a. fanatically religious. She was Lutheran. She was brought up with a strict code of conduct by her father, and he would beat her for infractions of this code. Mm -hmm. She was outraged by the immorality of the world, and she believed it was shockingly wicked. Like her father, she would be domineering and inflexible with her children. Now, for George to marry into a large and close-knit family, this would have appealed because he was an orphan. Um, his reserved manner may have appealed to Augusta as she wasn't exactly having her door knocked down by suitors. <laughs> <laughs> he was also Lutheran, and later on people would mistake him for a retired minister with his solemn, quiet nature, even though he was a raging alcoholic. So she was actually unaware of his deep alcoholism in the beginning of their, his, their relationship. So they were married December 4th, 1899. Oh, wow. You know, I, I forgot what Ed Gein looked like. I need to look him up real quick. Carry on. So Augusta assumed the role of domestic tyrant, and she would demean George, and, despi and, and despite his much larger size, he bowed down to her. She discovered his penchant for drinking and would yell at him when he c would come home from the bar. So much that sometimes he would hit her open-handedly, to which she would respond by screaming at him and praying on his knee on her knees for his death. Cause like, could you imagine that? Like getting hit by your husband, you're like, hold up, I need to pray to Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Take I want the you wheel. to strike this motherfucker down with your fury. <laughs> you know, he looks like anybody's grandpa mm -hmm. from that time, and he's not a bad looking guy. No, but he stank, though. He had terrible hygiene. Interesting. Carry on. So, Augusta actually viewed sex in the most uptight way. It was for procreation only. An outside marriage, it was completely a non... Nuh -uh. We ain't about that. That's disgusting. We're not about that life. Um, she believed that all other women besides herself were whores. And despite looking... Same, same I do, too. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> whores, you bunch of hoes. Despite her looking at sex like a chore, she begged for a child and tolerated it in creating their first son, Henry. It's literally the only time that she would ever have sex with George. Like, fuck, I guess we're... I need a child. Get done. <laughs> what a passionate lover, right? I feel the same way sometimes. <laughs> sex JK, is a chore, though. JK. Is it? Are we JKing? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was sick last week, and the best part about it was that I was worried about Jimmy getting sick, so I kicked him out off into the couch. I was like, I'll sleep on the couch. He's like, no, no, no I'll sleep on the couch. You're sick. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm arguing with you. This bed by myself. <laughs> I love you. Hashtag love you. <laughs> In 1909, George Gain became the owner of a meat and grocery shop. Her brother and father were grocers themselves. So she's like, we could totally make a lot of money. It was Is that all, a direct quote? Right. We could totally, totally make, totally a, lot make a lot of money. Quote. <laughs> it was already plagued with issues at the start, so Augusta ended up having to jump in and become the owner of the store. So, like, there's proof that for, like, the first two, three years, he was the proprietor. Then after that, it was Augusta Gain proprietor. <laughs> she uh, decided her husband to commit the foul deed of procreating again and prayed every night for a girl. She was not close with her firstborn, but hoped that she may be with the second child, and so Ed was born. She was bitter at first, but she vowed to make this child a pure man, unlike any other man. Uh-huh. Good job. <laughs> right? Ed, as a child, would often wish he was a girl, even wishing he had female genitalia. He only knew the basics of female organs through medical illustrations until his grisly crimes, which he did kind of be like, whoa, that was a big revelation for me. That's not a direct quote. Because <laughs> you imagine, whoa. whoa. That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> when asked about his mother, Ed would think for a moment and he would say, pure goodness, unlike other women, which got what was coming to them. That's what my kids would say about me. Not pure goodness. Saintly. <laughs> and if they don't, they know what happens. Direct quote. <laughs> Saintly. <laughs> she spent her life to protect him from the ways of the world. He felt he could he always let her down despite her efforts to be what despite his efforts to be what she wanted. She would also tell him things like, Only a mother could love you. Oh. Like they were talking about an instance where his mother gave him some money to go get some bread. And he lost the money somehow on the way. And he had to muster up the courage to go home. And she was like, you're fucking stupid. That's sad. I know. And it, all he wanted was like her approval. Like she was godlike in his eyes. He saw her as a hard worker because she did most of the work for their home. And most of the work for their shop. And he never saw her as flawed. She was godlike, whereas his father was a pitiful creature. His father was a pitiful creature just doing the bare minimum. He heavily relied on his mother for protection, and it feels almost like Stockholm Syndrome. He recalls his parents butchering pigs for meat. He would recall the animal hung while his parents cut the stomach, leaving the entrails and them being covered in blood. While most people wouldn't have had such an effect, but given his childhood, it created this lasting effect, and he could remember this moment of seeing them with that pig crystal clear for the remainder of his life. Mm. Plainville, Plainville, Wisconsin, <laughs> which is infamous for Ed Gein. Augusta had decided the family should become farmers and had used money she accumulated from the store to give them a piece of land to call their own. They moved out of La Crosse for a time and then they landed in Plainville on a 195 acre farm far from the city, which was basically Sodom. 195 acres, that's a lot of land. It truly is. Well, they had went somewhere else, and she said it was too close to town, so she went even further out, and that is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Mm. And Harold Schechter in his book goes on like for probably a good several pages about how boring and desolate this part of Wisconsin is, and how it's just like sandy soil, and hardly anything grows there, and people are shitty, and like it was just like, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> It's not popping like Las Vegas, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and so 
This home was a modest two-story house with a summer kitchen and barn on the property. Here she could keep her family in the desolate, sandy wasteland of inner Wisconsin. I cannot say it without saying Wisconsin. <laughs> to keep her children isolated and out of the clutches of the world's evils. And here's another thing. Is she kept her house immaculately clean and orderly. So, like, they, they had, like, a parlor and this, and she put all the good stuff in the parlor. The house was, like, scrubbed super clean, which, knowing what happens down the line, it's, like, a complete opposite for him. It flips, and he becomes disgusting. She believed the people of the city of Plainville were disreputable and below her. There was a Catholic, Methodist, and Baptist church, but no Lutheran. Lutheran, so she was determined not to mingle with the locals. The farm was to be her own self-contained little world. Ed would only ever leave the farm to go to school and completed his education at 16 when he left school at 8th grade. Mm. His IQ actually was average. Because people think of him, they think that he was um, intellectually disadvantaged or anything like that. He actually had a normal IQ. And he was a voracious reader. Mm. But that's really all the escape he had books were just super relaxing he felt super alone as a child not able to accurately fit in with others anytime his mother would find out that he would be hanging out with friends and was making friends she would go on a tirade and speak of the evils of the world she would talk about rumors of illicit activities and the <laughs> darkness inside these children and how they're like basically running whorehouses and stuff she sounds like um the water boy's mom oh a thousand <laughs> pure evil <laughs> It's the devil, Rick. It's the devil. Yes. This would make it where he would be like, oh, shit. Like, he would not have anything to do with them afterwards because literally they're the devil. <laughs> His peers said that he was different, but no one thought he would be psychologically in trouble. He was often said that he have a lopsided grin constantly and he would laugh at inappropriate times. His eyes would dart around when he spoke. And he would leave juvenile conversations about sex and utter embarrassment. He cried extremely easily at any little issue. And he would stare weirdly at girls, making them extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> and like there was like this one girl, she's like, I'm sitting in class and he just stared at me the whole time. <laughs> and he had like a mole or a growth next to his eyes. So that one side was kind of droopy and stuff. Is it bad that during your description, it briefly made me think about JJ and Jimmy? <laughs> Okay, that's true, though. <laughs> Jimmy, you any gross on your eye? His family would actually toil at the farm, yielding very little results because it was fucking sand. Anybody that's farmed in Florida knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> his family would, his father would become lazy and an abusive drunk, and he barely would help the family. He would beat the children until they became too big, and then he would resort to verbal abuse. He would scream and rant and accuse Augusta of infidelity, which is untrue, with her complete isolation and disgust, disgust of sex. I was like, say. bitch, I already hate sex. What makes you think I want to go out and fuck another motherfucker? <laughs> I don't even want to fuck you to make babies. What makes you think I'm going out there and get it for fun? I barely want to do that. <laughs> it's unconscionable. It's the devil's doing it. Devil. Get that dick away from me. <laughs> As time went on um, and the boys grew into adolescence and adulthood, Augusta's fervor on how disgusting and pornographic women had become reaches all new heights. Because, I mean, they're boys. Now they're yeah. starting to, you know, the voices drop in, getting hair and smelly and all that stuff. Play she would talk about doodle. how all women were filthy whores and lustful, except for her, because she was an angel. <laughs> Duh. Exactly how I had to talk about myself and other women. <laughs> on rainy days when outside chores could not be done, she would sit in her rocker in the parlor and read the boys the story of Noah. The same story every time. Yeah. But this time, this this version of Noah was prophesizing that the flood was coming from God to wash the world's, the world of women's sins away. Oh, okay. The world of women's sins. Yeah. Women's so she is sins. not a feminist is what you're telling me. Totally. She's all about the patriarchy. Okay. Except when it holds her dick. down. She ain't about that. She would read from the book of Revelations. Um, so I've got some of her favorite Bible verses. Yay! Revelations chapter 17, verse 3 through 5. This is one that she loved. 
So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. <laughs> it sounds like to me she was reading the then time version of Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, Pretty much. She was like, oh, she's so bad, but listen to her. She's got gold and jewels, and a man carried her away into the woods. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, she would get it in these, like, religious, like, fervor. Like, I I think of uh, George, what's his name? Jones from uh, the cult down in South America where he had everybody drink the Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah, yeah, He would just go on, Jim Jones, he would just go on these big tirades and and rants and he had all these Bible verses remembered. Well, she was like that. She would just start rocking back and forth. She loved Proverbs and one of her favorite. Who doesn't? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Sunday afternoon reading. Chapter five, verse three through eight. For the lips of a strange woman drop like a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, then thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. I don't even understand half of that. Yeah, pretty much she twisted that. It's actually a verse on adultery. But she made it sound like we just don't fuck with women. Like okay. they all sluts. Okay. Interpretation is all to its own. And at that point, she would take her hands and hers and make them swear to her that they would keep themselves uncontaminated from women. If the lust was unable to be put at bay, it would be preferable to masturbate than fornicate. What? Yes. Like if you must. Just jack it. Just jack it. Don't be like, and she would say, don't be, it's better to do the sins of Onan than um, to do the blasphemy of fornication. So then I had to look that up. The sins of Onan <laughs> is actually more about the pull and pray method. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Even in the Bible, they knew. <laughs> that people That were. pull and pray is not accurate. Not good. <laughs> not good people. So Henry actually tried to date, but eventually resigned himself to bachelorhood. And just stroking the chicken. Just stroking the chicken. Mom said this was okay. (laughs) She said if I had to, I could just masturbate. (laughs) Well, what are you masturbating to, Henry? Well, my mama's the only woman I see. Uh Uh-uh. Stop. That's (laughs) disgusting. I can't. Mm -mm. I'm about to get up and walk away. (laughs) So George, in his early 60s, he had been a heavy drinker and he was miserable. And by 1930... wonder why. I know. By 1937, his body gave out and he was completely an invalid. He was unable to contribute. And then they also had to take care of him. I bet if she'd have gave him some, he'd have been able to, to get up and tow them. He'd been real sprightly then. Yeah. <laughs> Just like all men. Yeah. In April 19... 19- JJ is his most productive after. Or if he knows he's going to get something. Yes. So many- <laughs> Jimmy's like... I hear you, brother. So many things get done around the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm feeling frisky, but you know what would make me real, real frisky? You wore them dishes. These baseboards need dusting. <laughs> <laughs> Bend over and dust them boards for me. Ooh, yeah. Just like that. Mm. Rub it. Rub it. <laughs> no, not like that. <laughs> exactly. You didn't even use the pledge. <laughs> and so in April 1940, George dies at 66 years old and his funeral at R.A. Gould's Combo Furniture Store and Funeral Home. How many children did they have? Two. So he only got laid twice? That's it. No well, wonder he died at 66. I'm surprised he lived I'm, that long. I mean, maybe they did more than once for each child, but no no more than 10 times, I'm sure. Mm-mm. He had to be getting on the side. No man will settle for just 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> no one. <laughs> it, what cracked me up is the R.A. Gould's Combo Furniture Store and Funeral Home. Oh, so you can pick up a couch while you drop off a body. <laughs> exactly. 
So I think I just found a perfect. It was not a serious loss for them because um, they felt like the weight had lifted. They didn't have to take care of them anymore. But their farm work was still grueling without power or indoor plumbing, and they didn't have any money. They couldn't afford any improvements that they had intended for for the house. That sounds like a dream life. So they bought the house in 19. 19- so let me get this straight. Homeboy had no plumbing, no electric. His wife wasn't giving it up, and he had to till the sand fields all day. No I wonder, wonder why, why he was alcoholic. I'd be yeah, an alcoholic, too. I would, too. Fuck. Fuck that. <laughs> I'm going to be Amish first. <laughs> ah! <laughs> At least they get laid. <laughs> right? They have big families. Yeah. No. They doing it all the time. <laughs> Damn rabbits. <laughs> they bought the house in 1914. He died in 1940. In that span of time, nothing had changed about the house, right? It The only thing that changed was that the house had started to age and become dilapidated. They Just like me. They couldn't afford repairs. <laughs> 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 me too, girl. <laughs> they, you know, the war ends up happening, right? World War One, And neither, no, World War Two, And neither Henry or Ed would participate. Henry was too old. Ed, um... I think he was something happened where he couldn't serve. He tried. Uh, that was the only time he ever went anywhere far. And they talk about that in his confession. Like the furthest I've been is somewhere in Wisconsin. And that was just so I could get my physical for, and I didn't even get to go. Damn. They took some good man who lost his life instead of this mother. The right. So they did take odd jobs away from the farm to bring in extra money for their family. Um, they would do minor repairs and handyman work as well as babysitting. I know. That's what I said. Babysitting. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to have this. We're just going to push past that. This man that we already have established is weird and gives everybody bad vibes. But you want to have him watch Susie and Joey? I mean, hard times. Hard times. For right. <laughs> hard decisions. <laughs> Uh, he was never at ease with other children growing up, but as an adult, he felt more at home spending time with I children than with adults. He did. He was very peculiar, but a good neighbor, decent, and dependable. Henry was considered mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. harder worker and found more and more appointment away from home. Ed viewed Henry with deep admiration, and they had a good relationship. They had a few disagreements, but it usually would pertain to their mother and Ed's unhealthy relationship with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He suggested it was overly close, but did not speak disrespectfully of her. Ed was super surprised that he was like, mom sucks. And he's like, what? <laughs> have you met her? She's amazing. And all their women are whores. <laughs> Fucking. Where have you been? Where have you been on rainy days, sir? She's basically a fallen angel. So may. <laughs> May 16th, 1944, Ed and Henry were writing a runaway fire near their home. Depending on the account, it was one of the brothers who insisted on starting the fire and the other had just come to help. At one point, the wind picks up and blew the fire towards the fields. And so Ed says he runs to put it out. He comes back to look for Henry was there no plumbing? Yeah. What'd you do? Go grab a pail of water like Jack and Jill? <laughs> I'm okay. I got this. Just like a sizzle. <laughs> he came back to look for Henry, but he said he couldn't find him, so he sought help. When he returned with help, Ed took them directly to Henry's dead body. Oh. I don't know where he was, but let me take you to him now. Jesus spoke to him. While he was scorched on the ground, he was free of burns and noticed some funny bruises on his head. Death was due to asphyxiation with no signs of foul play besides the bump on the head. Not not at all. Um, But when the truth came about, you know, Ed with the things down the line, people instantly remembered this situation like, oh, shit. Maybe Ed did kill Henry. And then they're like, there's all these comparisons to Cain and Abel and stuff like Mm. that. We always got to bring it back to the fucking Bible. Always. So let's talk about Mommy Dearest. (laughs) Augusta was a goddess and a hero to Ed. Shortly after Henry's death, she came down weak and ill, which, I mean, she was a super strong woman, so that had to have been kind of, like, jarring, I guess. He takes her to the hospital one day when she's feeling real bad, and he's informed that she had had a stroke. He stayed by her side until she was released from the hospital. 
She was entirely in his care, and he finally felt like he was going to be able to show her that he could take care of her. She would issue commands the best she could for chores around the farm, and he would read the Bible to her in the evenings. That's precious. So one of their favorite verses, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore and vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake, for in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give these thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All night make my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of mine all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of inequity. For the Lord hath heard my voice of weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. That's the same verses JJ reads me every day. <laughs> <laughs> but you write to sleep though, don't it? It does. Lord! Oh, Lord! <laughs> I'm like, say it again. Now I'm just ma- imagining JJ in all his suaveness, nice polo, <laughs> probably khakis, some Jordans. Oh, Lord! Benny sings me Soft Kitty. <laughs> soft Kitty, <laughs> You get me. You get me. I get you. I get you. We got a vibe. <laughs> Slowly she recovers. Probably all the Bible verses. I would want nothing more than that shit to stop. And by mid-1945, <laughs> she attempted, started to attempt walking. Fuck it, I'll get up and walk. <laughs> the bitch just put the fucking Bible down. I do the preaching around here. In winter of 1945, she and Ed were working on an order of straw for the farm with Augusta watching and supervision. Because bitch wasn't picking up nothing. Damn. And then there was this big hullabaloo when they shows up. Mr. Smith, the person they were going to be ordering the straw from, was beating a dog. And his girlfriend... Beating? Beating? Yeah, beating. Beating, okay. Um, He was late on the straw delivery because he was beating a dog. Well, I guess they were coming to pick up the straw. Oh, and he was busy beating a dog. And he was beating the shit out of the dog. His girlfriend was on the porch screaming her head off. Okay. And apparently, she was a married woman, but obviously not married to him, so she's a hoe. Okay. And all this, he ended up beating the dog to death. It overwhelmed Augusta, and then... A week later, she has another stroke. Okay, okay. On December 29th, 1945, at the age of 67, Augusta dies. No. Oh, my God. And Ed blamed this guy beating his dog to death, which, no no shit, that is terrible. Don't beat your dog. Uh, Yeah, that would be traumatic. It would be traumatic. With this mistress whore hollering on the porch. Yeah. Very back hills country. Very hoe-like, okay? Very. Not angels. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Everything Not she like said mama. made sense to him now. All other women are... Harlots. Yes. 100%. And so he blamed that for the rest of his life. Like, that's why she died. That's why she had it. She was on her up and up and these motherfuckers. Went around her. She had a curt and cold obituary compared to her husband. Uh, it was very clinical in that she had a cerebral hemorrhage. They put that in the obituary and I'm going to tell you go greatest of all time thank you for putting it in there i, <laughs> I do appreciate know. that i need to know <laughs> i need to know don't make me research it and go to all the go i mean i'm gonna be looking for news articles and car crashes yes. you just know tell I mean? me. linkedin in case somebody your company decided to announce that you're fighting cancer just i need like, to know i hate when people post please pray for me i can't say why then then stop let me know what I'm praying you about. Know what? Go to the church, light a damn candle, whatever people do. If you want me to pray for you, I need to know what I'm praying about. Exactly. What if you're praying for your next victim? I don't exactly. want to be a part of that. Thank you. <laughs> I already have enough strikes against me. <laughs> I don't need any more. Do we ever? <laughs> have you Here's listened to my one. podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it mentions Ed as her sole survivor and not many attended. And uh, shocking. Ed was like, Unconsolable, like boohoo. Oh, I'm sure it was bawling, crying. I'm sure he it was. Weep openly and deeply, and was truly embarrassed that his neighbors saw him in such a state. He should be. 
So let's talk about the House of the Dead. The town was small and close-knit, just under 600 people. Damn. Yeah. He was known as a helpful, kind neighbor. Wisconsin was an outwardly <laughs> nice as pie, but ignored a lot of the seedier parts of humans. Those private things were to remain as such private. And I feel like Southerners are a lot the same way. Invite you in. We're going to give you some sweet tea and shit. You know what I mean? We're going to have a big old thing. But don't talk about that kid I got locked up in the attic. That's that's my business. That's my business. That ain't about you. That about me. <laughs> exactly. This is a A-B conversation. So you wait. Out. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so like Wisconsin is a lot like that. He would babysit, of course, uh, <laughs> as one would have a creepy old man do that. Help with chopping wood. He would never speak out of turn or cuss. And he was said to be the most dependable man in the county who was also polite and well-mannered. He also would still weirdly stare at women, but most of them just felt bad for him. They're like, oh, that's... They kept calling him Eddie the whole book. Like, that's just Eddie. His mama died. His brother died. His daddy I died. I feel, feel bad for him. Because right now you're like, oh, he's just kind of like the little weird guy, but he's really nice. And he babysets all the kids. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's simple. So all the truants love him. He was more unkempt than ever since his de- mother's death, and you could smell him within a six-foot radius. This also reflected in the remarked decline of the property in the home. He sold all the livestock to pay for Augusta's funeral. The fields, unable to be tended, were starting to return to their wild original state. Farm equipment sat rusting, unused, and he was able to support himself by leasing out property and, and doing odd jobs. I mean, 165 acres is a lot to keep up with by yourself. Mm-hmm. He did work for the township for a time, and he also gained a government subsidy for his farm. He was very tiny. He had like a size eight foot, and I think he was just like just above five feet tall. Very oh. petite man. He was slight in build, but he was known for his extraordinary strength and endurance from his lifetime of labor. Because you know, we all know those guys. Like they're older than the ship, and you think that they can't pick anything up, and then they're like, you they're wouldn't st- want to fuck around and find out with those motherfuckers. Yeah. He was also feminine or weak acting, as well as squeamish of blood. He cut the head off people. Doesn't mean he liked it, Jennifer. (laughs) (laughs) Despite this, he did have a true crime obsession like us. Twinsies! And he would recount the stories to anybody who would listen, and even if they didn't want to. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Did Mm -hmm. he have the first podcast? No, uh, he didn't have a good, charming co-host like like you. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if he had a Becky in his life... He'd have been famous. Wait, he is. Mm, you might have ended upside down without a head. <laughs> it sounds like I could have took him. Although you weren't his type. He wanted big old girls. Like, oh. I was his type. He wanted a big old girl. First of girl. all, you're not a big old girl, so I'm going to need you to stop. Thank you. <laughs> all right, love you. <laughs> Keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) He favored stories of cannibalism, grave robbing, Nazi war crimes, or sexual mutilation. Those were his interests? That's where his his top, top crime stories. Same. (laughs) (laughs) I love sexual mutilation. (laughs) Jimmy, don't get any ideas. JK. (laughs) (laughs) Not only was murder his favorite topic of conversation. That is mine. Same, same girl. I literally was in an interview the other day for a promotion <laughs> job, different job. And I was like, so I have a podcast. <laughs> and she's like, ooh, not big on podcast. You know, <laughs> it's just hard for me to sleep at night. I can't say the same. Can't. I need to keep, he got to keep breathing. Yeah. That's why I can't sleep. It's not because it's so disgusting. It's because I need to know more. Yes. I'm just nosy. Yes. (laughs) 100%. Somebody was telling me the other day, you know, ways to be positive and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to be real with you, though. I'm going to love some goss. I'm a goss gal. Okay. I don't want the gossip happening about me. I don't want to be in the drama, but I want to know about the drama. Yes. And first of all. I'm positive, positive, radiant, shining light all the time. <laughs> You're welcome. It's you hard. You can learn from me. Ain't it hard, girl. 
It's hard being this so ray hard. of fucking sunshine and humor. Actually, most days I'm like, oh, Becky, why'd you say that? You just don't know how to keep your mouth shut, do you? <laughs> Look, I wrote two emails today cussing a man out and telling him all about himself. <laughs> Sounds like, like a I Monday. wasn't done with one email. I was like, further. <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore. So I'm going to hype you up and say, yes, keep doing it. Do you, boo? You speaking the truth. <laughs> Acting like audacity's on sale. <laughs> He also would like he didn't have he wasn't in the company of men just like a gaggle of guys uh, very often. But when he did, he would talk about women in a juvenile like, way. Like, did you see the vulva on that? Girl? <laughs> <laughs> did you see the breast of that young lady over there? Did you see Sarah? She came in. <laughs> she showed her ankle. Look at me, I'm showing ankle right now. Girl, stop Get back, Jimmy, I'm married. <laughs> like Moulin Rouge up in this bitch. <laughs> Calm down, Becky. <laughs> you brought a harlot in your home. <laughs> uh, 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 bad news, there was already one here. <laughs> so, JK, I'm an angel. <laughs> you are, though. Heaven sent. Don't you True. fucking forget that, JJ. That's right. I know you're listening. <laughs> So he rarely went anywhere. Um, he did visit a tavern regularly owned by Mary Hogan. It was not like a regular bar. It was more like a warehouse that had like windows. In it. So not real fancy. But then again, we're in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. I love a hole in the wall. Yeah, right? You get the good drinks there. Yes. Maybe an STD. I don't know. It's a surprise every time. It really is. It's like the lottery. <laughs> While he wasn't much of a drinker because his father was a bad alcoholic, he would visit, have a beer, and watch Mary. Not creepy at all. She mm -mm. spoke with a heavy German accent and was formidable, reminding him of his mother. She's a big girl, huh? She's a big old girl. <laughs> she's a big best. <laughs> and she was German. It's just she was very, like, he would end up talking about, like, her structure of her face was mm -hmm. somewhat similar to his mom. So basically, you wanted to fuck his mom, except this is the dirty version of his mother. She would cuss. Um, she was twice divorced. She was associated with a mob because she had moved from Chicago. She sounds like she's in the running to be my best friend. Right? <laughs> is it me that you're talking about? Uh, I would have been dead. I can't. I'm too much of a blabbermouth for the mob. Can <laughs> she be a guest on our podcast? Oh, my God. Well, she's dead. <laughs> All the good ones. <laughs> The good die young. <laughs> they do. All of this while, his home is a disgusting mess. His house is infested with bugs and mice. His Hot floor cotton. is covered in refuse. It's tons of junk and weird collections, including a can of bubblegum, all his detective magazines, and he only uses the kitchen and his room. Again, no power, no plumbing. And he had like all this shit, just like he had a, a stovetop. Was a pipe stove or whatever, like those old fashioned ones. He had one in the kitchen and one in his room. And he had an old mattress in there that he was like ripping the straw out of because okay. it was that old as kindling and stuff. And there was a lot of things like they're like, so why did you have this in your room? Well, I needed it to start fires. This kindling. Look, I have a dirty mouth, but a clean home. Amen, girl. Can't do the dirty house. It was he didn't even take his clothes off like, like he wouldn't. You know how you come in, you take your shoes off, your hat, your jacket. He just, every, it was like, might as well have been outside. Mm -mm. I can't. Um, That's the worst to me. Dirty house. I can't. Mm -mm. And then, like, he didn't touch yep. any of the other things in the house. And as we're going through, you're going to start picking, if you're like me and you're a horror fan, you're going to start seeing where portions of his life inspired Silence of the Lamb. He inspired Buffalo Bill's character. You have Alfred Hitchcock, Psycho. He inspired that. So it's one of those things. So what you're saying is he was an inspiration to others. <laughs> totally. <laughs> he was just a, being my positive. He was an influencer <laughs> before influencers were around. <laughs> he still heard his mother's voice from time to time telling him to be good, easing him some of his loneliness. And if you recall in Psycho, uh, Norman Bates would hear his mom. He had more visual and auditory hallucinations from weird animals to trees with human faces on leaves. 
he'd always feel like something was watching him. So he's mentally breaking down I even further. Feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> I get no prophecy. <laughs> For a time after his mother's death, he contemplated selling the land and leaving altogether, but he could never bring himself to do it. So now let's get to some disappearances. During a 10-year period, starting in the late 1940s, law enforcement in Wisconsin would investigate a handful of disappearances that would baffle them. One was Georgia Weckler. She was eight years old, and she was dropped ah, off. Ah, come on. I know. I know. She was dropped off from school by a neighbor and was last seen walking up the drive home in 1947. That's my biggest fear, bro. Mm-hmm. When she did, because they her neighbor dropped her off. Mm-mm. It was like, okay, you're home, you're safe. But it was a long drive, uh, driveway. When she didn't show up to the house from the driveway, That's why you do like the Southerners do, and you wait in the driveway until they're in the house. Just saying. Yes. It's what we did growing up. I don't leave until you're in the house. I mean, I just need to see, I need you to unlock the door, turn around, and wave. That's now, all if I he's need. in your house, you're fucked, because I just waited until you got in there. <laughs> <laughs> you have a phone in there called 911. <laughs> When she didn't show up, residents and farmers around the county searched overnight and offered a $8,000. Wow, that's a lot of money then. In 1947, hell yeah. The only clue they, was a Ford sedan scene in the drive that afternoon and tire mar- marks that looked like they had peeled out. They assumed the worst and people assumed her dead. Evelyn Hartley, 15, would babysit for neighbors and on October 24th arrived at the home of her father's college uh, associate Mr. Rasmussen. When she didn't return home, her father visited and found her glasses and shoe on the floor with footprints and bloodstains going out of the house. Damn. He called the police and they picked up a scent discovering blood on the lawn and a bloody handprint on a neighbor's house. In two blocks, the scent dropped, which more than likely left, meant that they left in a vehicle. Neighbors reported hearing a scream at 7.10 p.m., but nothing else and assumed it nothing. Just like Georgia Weckler, no kidnapper contacts the family suggesting nefarious intentions. A massive search is conducted of a 50-mile radius and with helicopters. In 1947 now, with helicopters. Be like little rubber band things. <laughs> so old. I'm sorry, that was so rude. <laughs> they brought in and they did, were unable to find anything besides some bloody girl's underwear off of Highway 14 and a pair of bloody men's trousers on the side of the road somewhere else Mm. three had vanished all from the same vicinity as well plainville a hundred miles from the first two on the afternoon of december 8th 1954 a local dropped into mary hogan's tavern and discovered an empty bar and a pool of blood on the floor so he ran to a nearby home to call the police there was a spent 32 caliber shell um, that was near the dried pool of blood the drag pattern from the pool of blood to the parking lot suggested that she had been loaded up and taken, and with that amount of blood, possibly dead. The state crime lab is called in, and that's where they searched the tavern and Mary's home for clues to no avail. A farm farm check and alert to her hometown of Chicago was sent, but the case went cold, and after two years, her murder was still unsolved, and the whereabouts of her body were unknown. So Elmo Eek, which is the Best name I've ever heard in my entire life. Best. One of the local men who regularly employed Gein was talking about Mary's disappearance right after it happened. Right after it happened. (laughs) (laughs) He joked to Ed that if he'd been courting her, she'd be home cooking dinner and not missing right now. Which I feel like is the most insulting shit ever. But Ed goes, she's not missing. She's down at the house right now. And then everybody was like, Oh, he's always weird. So they just chuckled and laughed it off. Um, he would use the same line anytime Mary would come up. I took her home in the truck and it was always met with laughter. Some of the few individuals that actually. He's dis- like, why is everybody laughing at me? <laughs> They're really there. <laughs> I just saw her. I just wore her. <laughs> Some of the few individuals that actually visited Ed's house mentioned his collection of shrunken heads. He claimed a friend sent them to him. Um, during the war from the Philippines, and he would gladly show them off. Later, children. I'm not claimed, gonna lie; I'd like to see him. I would do. If you're like, I got shrunken heads, I'd like bring them out. Um, one of Camilla's favorite thing to do when somebody new comes over to her house, she'll bring them up here and show her all my dead things. This is my mom's mouse. This is my mom's bat. 
These are all her Ouija ports to summon the demons before I go to bed. <laughs> Hail Satan! <laughs> She's so precious. <laughs> They're so cute at that age. It's so cute. <laughs> Children would claim they weren't shrunken as expected, but regular-sized heads with leathery skin and hair. Okay. If you're like, I got some shrunken heads, Becky, and then you brought out, like, real adult heads that were just, like, mummified, I'd be like, oh, do you hear that? That's my phone ringing. There's an emergency. I gotta go. I gotta go. What's that? My mom's calling me? What? <laughs> I'm coming! <laughs> gotta go. People would joke about it as it seems exactly like something what Ed would collect. Shrunken heads from the South Pacific. Because um, he was always into weird shit. Jimmy's Fun Facts. The practice of real shrunken heads has only been documented in the rainforests of Ecuador and Peru, where they are commonly known as tzantza. In order to make a shrunken head, the skin and hair are removed, the openings are sewn shut or sealed, and it is then boiled, which shrinks the skin to about a third of its original size. The skin is scraped, cleaned, and sewn together around hot stones and sand, and then further shaped, cured, and finished off with a nice mouth string seal. If old Eddie was going to lie, he could have at least done a better job. People, there was a story of um, this guy who... Gene had met and he had a small little tiny house in Plainville. And Ed's like, I've got 195 acres. Let's just do an even train trade because, you know, my house isn't really that nice. And a lot of this is now doing shittily and overgrown. Let's just do a square trade. You've got a family. And so the husband and wife are touring the farmhouse, which is disgusting. And the wife obviously had heard about it. And she goes, is this where you keep your shrunken heads? Oh. And she said that her husband's face just like dropped like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he like, goes, no, I keep him down the hall. Oh. Okay. Ed. Oh, okay. There is some question as to, because uh, we know that he's killed with good certainty that he killed Mary. The first two, we don't have that exclusively. There was never anything substantial enough. To prove that he did those murders. Also, they weren't his MO necessarily. He loved older women. Older as in like his mother's age. Chesty, you know, large, plus-sized women. He wasn't into children. He wasn't into men. He was into these type of women. So, it's kind of back and forth. There is some, like, suggestion that he could have done it. Some suggestion that he couldn't have. But there was, without a doubt, we all know the stories that Ed Gein had a lot of bodies in his house. And one thing that Ed Gein is known for is grave robbing. We're going to talk a little bit about that. As police discovered so many body parts in his family, they wondered where it all came from. Eleanor Adams is 51 years old, a mother of two grown children married, and is kidnapped by Ed, except... She was already dead at this time. She was a corpse and had recently been buried. Oh. And the Harold Schechter talks about like what he imagined Ed would have done, like, you know, hung her up and everything and goes to smell her. And then he goes, you know, like, well, that smells so bad because that's a famous line for Ed is that they would ask him if he had sex with the corpses. And he literally said they smelled too bad. I know. <laughs> so. Side note, you know they're bringing that human body exhibit back to the museum, right? Girl. I'd love that exhibit. I've never seen it, so I'm excited to go. Actually, I think it's there right now. Anyway, carry on. It's there. I'm going to have to go. Yeah. So over a five-year period, beginning in 1947, he visited cemeteries well over 40 times, with at least nine occasions of him digging up graves. He would take what he wanted rebury the cadavers, and then leave it in apple pie order. Uh, okay. He insisted that these occurrences would happen while he was in a daze, and he would watch the obituaries and dig up freshly buried older women, some of which he knew personally when they were alive. Cool. So here comes the linchpin, the downfall, the the moment. Oh, we're not at the downfall yet. <laughs> no, this is it. We're finally to it. This is okay. the pre precipice. Um, November 16, 1957, hardware store owner Bernice Warden disappeared from her store that morning. 
Ed had been spending a lot of time at the store, becoming a bit of a nuisance, but Miss Warden <laughs> still kindly served him, which <sighs> I wish we'd have to stop being so nice. Like, I feel like there's a that's that everybody needs to be nice and, and cordial and stuff like that. And I'm sorry, if someone's weirding you out, stop being nice. Well, you know, people like Kim give a bad name to different people like my Justin. People have called him weird because I mean, now he's autistic, so he's a little different. And people call him weird. But there's a difference, like a remarkable difference in how Justin makes you feel versus somebody that exudes that evil. You know what I mean? Right, Like, that's not the feeling that you get from... You could tell that he's not like other people, but he doesn't exude that slime right. that I would imagine some serial killers give off. Yeah. Doesn't give you the creepy vibes. Like, I feel uncomfortable and I don't know why. There's nothing outwardly. I just feel like sometimes people take the, like, let creepy people know their creepy vibe in the wrong way. Like, oh, yeah. Alicia's. Oh, I don't mean be like a dick. I'm like one of those, like, just leave the room. Come back later. Just leave. If you feel like you're in an unsafe situation or you feel off, leave the room. You don't have to be a dick because it could be a situation. Yeah. That's very true. Like when Alicia's bitch-ass neighbor, and if you're a listener, please don't ever listen to my podcast again. Fuck you. Um, Told her kids my kid was weird and they what? couldn't play with him because he was weird. Yeah. Fuck that person. Exactly. It makes me think of that time we were at Chick-fil-A. You remember that? And oh he was yeah, playing in the playground. Yes, and that woman was so mean to him. Yeah, that people was, like that that I want to punch in the throat because I'm like, he's not a Ned Gein. No, you can tell there's something different about him, and that he's not on the same level. And, I'd, and you're I have a to fucking say, we're Karen. at that point in in society now that we're more aware of these things. Like, there's love on the spectrum. That's like literally a TV yeah. show right now. This is something that's more knowledge. We're more knowledgeable about nowadays. That for someone to act like that towards him, I wanted to punch him in the throat. I'm surprised you didn't. Oh, it took everything I had. And I told Alicia that. And Alicia being this sweet, kind-hearted person, she's like, I really don't think she meant it like that. And I was like, Mm. been raising him for 20 years. I know when a dick is a dick. And your neighbor's a dick. And then I said some very ruthless things because I can be very ruthless that's why i love you though and i was like don't make me march over there and say that and alicia's eyes were like as big as flying saucers and she was like please don't do that (laughs) and i was like because i will hurt her feelings and make her question why she lives on this earth and she's a living breathing person that's my girl right there and then i'll chop into her husband who's like five foot tall (laughs) don't even make me start okay because four inches is not hung like a horse motherfucker so let's do this (laughs) you want to talk let's motherfucking talk (laughs) With your little man syndrome. <laughs> Say something. I Come wish you would. At me. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so that morning he came in and he pretended to look at a rifle. What she didn't know at the time is that he had the ammunition for that type of rifle in his pocket. Oh, that's creepy. Slipped it into the oh. rifle. Cocked it. Now, she's thinking, not loaded. He's checking it out. He is not a hunter by any means. He would, like, hunt squirrels and stuff, but he is not an actual hunter. So he wasn't as familiar with some of these rifles. So he did say he had some trouble, and then he tried to play it off that the gun went off accidentally. But why would you be putting a bullet in a gun? Well, you sound pretty keen to firearms if you had the correct ammunition for that weapon because I don't know a whole lot about weapon so i i would end up putting the wrong thing in the wrong thing i would try to load a shotgun with a nine millimeter bullet and be like i don't understand what's going on <laughs> why is it not firing <laughs> yes so he was a little they bit told more me it would go pew pew <laughs> <laughs> sounds a little bit more keen than he was letting on exactly um oopsie mm. oh my god <laughs> and so when she was distracted he ends up shooting her later elmo eek Good old Elmo says that he was hunting on Ed's property without permission and got himself a deer. And he sees Ed's truck start. He's loading the deer up in his truck and he sees Ed's truck. And he's like, fuck, Ed's going to stop. I'm going to get, you know, the ninth degree because I ain't supposed to be hunting on his property. And he says, then he realizes how fast his truck's moving. And as 
Gein drives by just like, hey, and then keeps going. Despite seeing Elmo on his property with a deer. Elmo's like, fuck. Okay, well, no worries. Uh, Got all that one. He goes, he went by later because he still felt like, I feel pretty shitty about it. And he finds Ed working on his truck. Except he was switching his tires from snow tires to regular ones. And it's that time of year that you need snow. I don't know anything about snow tires. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit through that. (laughs) I don't know. There's fucking difference. But... He was doing it, and it was odd, um, but he talked to him, and he felt like everything was cool, so he left. Later on, two teenage accomplices, or acquaintances, stopped by, and they were met outside by Ed, and they asked for a ride, because they had their car had broke down, and they needed a new battery, and he said, sure, sure, let me wash up. I'd just been dressing a deer, because he was covered in blood, and Ed? the teens, yeah, and it was hunting season. Um, so they were like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Okay, cool. Not knowing that Ed's not a hunter. That evening, Frank Ward and Bern- Bern- Bernice's son comes back from deer hunting and heard that the store had been closed all day and he knew that wasn't right. That's when he discovers the dried blood and the cash register open. He was a deputy sheriff at the time, so he called the sheriff to report the crime and call in reinforcements. In the meantime of waiting for law enforcement to come, because this was, you know, 1957 they didn't even have 911 in those days he decided to look around the scene and when did 911 come into play this would be a fun time for jimmy to enter a fun fact yeah okay jimmy fun fact that jimmy's fun facts part two in 1968 the federal communications commission and at&t agreed upon the number 911 for emergency services because it was simple easy to remember and dialed easily. The first implementation was in Huntington, Indiana on March 1st, 1968. That was a great fact, Jimmy. Awesome. Thank you, Jimmy. (laughs) I always know you're there to answer my questions when Jennifer can't. (laughs) Coming in clutch. Frank takes a look around and he recalls that he had been pestering Bernice for more than normal. Like, coming in at any excuse. Oh, I need to buy a couple nails. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need this. I need that. And he would always say, well, me and you, Bernice, we can go roller skating. Well, like, (laughs) she was not a roller skating age. And he was, I think, coming in his late 40s, 50s, somewhere around there. So he's, he ain't roller skating either. Okay. (laughs) And the night before it happened, Frank had been in the store and at, or, Frank and Ed had been in the store and Ed asked Frank if he was planning on hunting the next day. And Frank thought that was weird because Ed doesn't hunt, but was like, yeah, I plan on being out there. So motherfucker knew, knew she was going to be by herself. Hmm. Brings a bullet in, in his pocket, asked to see a gun. But this was all done in a haste. He didn't know what he was doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there was also a written receipt to Ed for antifreeze in Bernice's handwriting um, that was left on the counter. Dummy. Knowing that's the last person that came in. And it was like 99 cents. Damn. Yeah. Ed had been in a friend's house, the hills, drinking coffee and relaxing when they found out that Bernice was missing, to which he responded, they must have been cold hearted. Oh. And then he sipped his coffee. Fun fact, he was actually at the Hills house the same night that he they found out that Mary Hogan had disappeared. <laughs> when they heard about Bernice, they were like, Ed, every time you come here, somebody shows up missing. <laughs> what a quinky dink. <laughs> and the son goes, well, let's head on into town and see if we can find out what's going on. And so him and Ed go out the front door. Well, just then the police come up. And they're like, where's Ed? And he's like, he should still be fucking out there if he ain't already took off. So they go out there and they find him in there. And uh, they start asking him some things. Like, they tell him, tell me about your day. He tells him about his whole day. And he's like, all right, tell me again. And then they discover all these inconsistencies, which is, I have to say, pretty good for the time. 
See, people just need to keep this story short and simple. I woke up, I had coffee, I went to the hardware store and got antifreeze, and then I came home and worked on my truck. Or I plead the fifth. True. (laughs) I call my lawyer. He actually claimed that someone had framed him, and that's when they put him in custody for murder. And that's where we're going to leave off. Ah, I'm enjoying this. I know. It's going to get worse on the next episode, though. I... Oh, I'm sure we haven't even got into the bad stuff yet. And it's oh, been yeah. bad already. We're going to we're going to talk about all the things that inspired all the movies now. Fun. <sighs> I have a weird sense of fun. I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me hard. <laughs> Buffalo Bill. <laughs> <laughs> fun fact. Do you know that movie Clerks? Yeah. Have you seen Clerks 2? God, girl years ago and so there's a scene where jay and silent bob are like doing it and jay's going would you fuck me and he's got the chapstick and everything <laughs> and i didn't think about it i just thought it was funny i thought they were being silly and then i watched silence of the lands for the first time in a hundred years and it came up to that scene buffalo bill and he's got the music like <laughs> goodbye horses is playing he's got his dick tucked and he's like would you fuck me and i was like oh that seems way darker now <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> That's where all good humor comes from, dark humor. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to continue this story, but until next time. Stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel. And don't bring it so close to home that you pick up women and bring them to your home. Don't be reading your Bible verses to your children. Mm -hmm. Not like that. Don't be like that. No. Don't give an Oedipus complex to your son. Don't. Mm. See you next time. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms. Follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook, at Too Close Podcast on Instagram, or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience, shoot us your story at Too Close to Home at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.